When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Ironcast, where we've got a real treat today, Ginge. I'm going to say it, if I had to name my all-time West Ham eleven, Matty Effrington would be on the left wing. Welcome to Ironcast, Matty. What an honour to have you here. 195 games for West Ham, six years. What times, Ginge, what times they were. Yeah, and one of my best mates in football. Oh. Had some uh, some great times, mate, and we on and off the pitch. And uh, yeah, first bumped into Matty when I signed 2000 and. Five, I think you'd been here a couple of years before yeah, that. Two thousand and three, yeah. I think. But just uh good times, good uh good dressing room and, and, and memorable moments. Yeah. I'm looking forward to you two maybe two foot in each other because I know you've got pl- plenty of dirt on each other. No, no dirt. Let's see if I can tease all it good. out through the course of the podcast. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> um Matty, let's go right back to the start of your career because you started at Peterborough, right? But you I think you've been spotted at Fort Falmouth under fourteens. Yeah, in Falmouth, yeah, it's a team called Morton Smith, and uh, we had a really good team. I was still close to quite a few of the lads I played with, went to school with there. Um, James Miller being one of them, <laughs> he'll be happy for that shout out. Ginger knows him as well. He's a um, character. And yeah, just got spotted randomly playing down in Cornwall in the Sunday League. I think it was under 11s at the time, and uh, got invited to go up to Peterborough and, and play there. Just r- really different scenario that I didn't expect but it was uh yeah led to what happened in, uh, in the future yeah were you unbelievable at that that level were you, were you kind of hat trick every game kind of kid yeah I think I scored eight in one game from what I can remember <laughs> yeah um we, we, we were like we, we were good we were good we were we were cleaning up at that at, at that level and obviously enjoying it that's all that's all it should be at that age and um loved every minute of it and uh yeah, it ended up getting on a train every weekend up to Peterborough, getting um, meeting up in Bristol, and then getting the train to Kings Cross and and up to Peterborough and, and um, playing every weekend up there. Did yeah. uh, did anyone else come through? Did anyone else make pro from that team in Cornwall? No, no. no. Uh, I remember you saying you had yeah. a good team down there. No, we just did. And they anyone... all played at a, a decent level, like step four, step three, step two, um, Conference South, step two. So they've gone on to play at a decent level, but yeah, none of them. Made as far as you. No. Yeah. You're a big name at Peterborough. I remember hearing about you like years before you signed with West Ham. We were chatting to Bobby Zamora and he speaks so fondly of his time in the lower leagues. Did you have a good time at Peterborough? I, I think it was the best thing for me. I've got to be honest. I loved it. it. It was tough. And I remember on my debut, we played Brentford away. Brian Statham was a right back. And I made my debut at 15 years old for Peterborough in, in, um, in the Football League. And I megged him within two minutes and, and went past Smash. him. And he said, if you do that again, I'm going to break your legs. And he was he was an experienced yeah. player. I've played for, you know, numerous clubs and had a really good career. And that, that comment threw me back a little bit. I thought, wow, I'm, I'm, I'm it. in it now. Yeah. Yeah. And he's a kid it. as well, really. Yeah, I was, I was a kid. and um, But yeah, that, that, that grounding at an early age definitely helped me, I think. 
And Barry, you, we were chatting just before we we started, but Barry Fry seemed to be quite a positive influence for you. It's brilliant. He's um, yeah, he loved me and Simon with the, with the up and coming ones, and um, <clears throat> he he definitely saw some pound signs on his head, <laughs> some pound notes in there. <laughs> um, but no, he 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 helped us. He helped my family. Yeah, size family as well. To be fair to him, and um, yeah, he he was brilliant. He, he brought us through, but ultimately he knew we were going to move on and, and go on to bigger and better things. That's that's where I got my sort of grounding in in the lower leagues. I remember I was sixteen, maybe, and I travelled with Cardiff to a preseason friendly called Weymouth, and I was actually playing up front. And <laughs> yeah, I know everyone laughs when I said I played. <laughs> up you front. you always said you played up front. I did. about ten times on this podcast. I mean, I still fancy myself as centre forward. Now I was quite prolific when I was younger, centre forward. But anyway, young lad, silly Barnett, thought I could play a bit. Went to Weymouth in a pre-season friendly, and I'm playing up front. And the first goal kick came up, and from behind me, I heard killer's ball, <laughs> and he's just elbowed me clean in the back, knocked me out, done. And I think that that just going. That story on the back of what Matty says, I think Bobby said the same, Matty said the same. That grounding of of lads who've come through the lower leagues, I think it made me the player I was. Yeah, It was tough. It was like, tough, it yes. Was, you, had to, I, you, had to, remember, you were learning on the job. I, I, yeah, doing it at a really young age as well. But you were, there was defenders that have played a lot of games mm. and experienced football league players and that they were obviously reading the papers and reading all the press and, and stuff that goes alongside that. I'm thinking, oh, these are the next up and coming ones, but they wanted to do something yeah. about it, and you had to, you had to be on your toes. Do you think, like that lower league is such a good grounding for a young player, because especially these days where you could be in the PL two and account, you're playing football a, a certain way, it's quite a high standard. But as you drop through the leagues a little bit, it's a bit more rough and ready. I mean, the players aren't as good, and they rely maybe on threats and <laughs> mental resilience a bit more. You know, is yeah. that actually? Do you think? Even in this day and age, a really good grounding for a young footballer. I think it is. Uh, the PL2, the standard's unbelievable. Some of the games that you see, the technical and tactical ability of players is is frightening. But I do think they need the young players need a bit of that as well. Um, and I think it's really valuable for your future and, and, and what you go on and do in your career. Um, it, de it definitely helped me. And you look at players like Harry Kane and the amount of clubs he went through um, and the player he is now I and mean, that's just one example there's probably another 20 but that I, I think it's that there's real value to it definitely yeah so towards the end of your time at peterborough i believe you had a trial at united <laughs> manchester united for a bit and suppose yeah. this is a great story uh, this, to be fair how did that come about again barry was obviously totally got many contacts <laughs> um and yeah the, we got invited to go and, and train at man united so Alex Ferguson had been on the phone. There'd been a lot of interest around us. I was 17 at the time, I think. And uh, we, we genuinely thought we were going to go up and train with the under-18s or under-21s or 23s, whatever, whatever it was at the time, reserve team. And went up to the cliff, rocked up. We had sponsored cars at the time with our names written all Was down it? the side of it. Oh, it was Peugeot 306s. <laughs> um, but yeah, we rocked up and uh, got introduced to the manager first and foremost and, you know, Sir Alex Ferguson, they just won the treble. It was the season after they won the treble. <laughs> and um, he said, oh, uh, to the kit man, can you show him downstairs and, and, and where they're going to get changed? And we were sat next to Roy Keane, Teddy, uh, Gary Neville, and me and Si were looking at each other like, what's going on here? You know, thinking that we're going to train again with with the younger, younger age groups, train with the first team. And uh, 
yeah, it's an experience like neither you can have as as a kid at that age. It was it was frightening to be honest with you. We did, did boxes or rondos to start, and two youngest go in. That was me and Sai. We had skulls and the likes on the outside. We were in there for ten minutes. We couldn't get the ball. <laughs> couldn't get the ball. Couldn't get the ball. Cause usually the first one that wins it goes out, and then the next one comes in. We we couldn't get the ball off them. It was an unbelievable experience. Two or three days, I think we're there. We did our first league game. Then on the Saturday, went on the Tuesday, I think it was, and. uh yeah, went back, but played a friendly against Boca Juniors. Sir Alex was work, um, watching up in his office. He had a big glass um, window where, where he could see out and you could see him up there watching. And yeah, did all right, but it wasn't to be. And then then we moved in, in January, but it was an unbelievable experience, something that I'll never forget. Wow. So then you end up at Spurs. Mm. And how was, the, who was, that? was it Glenn Hoddle would have been manager? George Graham. George Graham. Yeah. How And how was that as an experience like that? It seemed a frustrating time. Yeah, it was, it was a frustrating time for me personally. Um, but again, moving moving there, New Year's Day, they had Liverpool at home. We were on the front cover of the programme. Um, again, you know, Cy was from Haverford West in West Wales. I was from Cornwall, two young, <laughs> two young lads, not really knowing about the bright lights of London and what it entails and, and turning up, um, seeing our, our faces on the on the program, going into the stadium, watching them play against Liverpool, my position, watching David Ginola, who was unbelievable, <laughs> thinking I've got absolutely no chance. Um, yeah, it, it was a, a daunting experience, but one that ultimately, I think, made me. But it, it, it took a while to, to, get, to get accustomed to everything. And yeah, the three years I had there were frustrating for me, I think, and didn't particularly enjoy it, but I think it helped me further on in the career. Was it was it easier doing it with Simon though? It must have been. Yeah, it was because like, yeah. obviously how close you are and still are. Yeah, it, it was. It definitely, definitely eased the pain, so to speak. Eased but, the pain. Um, yeah, just dif different times, yeah. difficult times. Two young lads that have coming from backgrounds that are quite remote, and there's not a lot going on. So doing what we did at Peterborough, and then going to London to a massive, you know. Uh, surroundings uh, uh, uh the premier league and everything that that comes with it was it was it was daunting but it was definitely better that we did this game i bet it was a bit of a whirlwind from the time you got in the first team at peterborough to all of a sudden at tottenham it was yeah i bet it time was. flew by didn't it it did but th then we made our debuts at the end of that season uh, come on against liverpool anfield made my full debut against man united ironically at old trafford against that team that same team and you're thinking what's just happened yeah it was, it was crazy crazy but brilliant times looking back on it now amazing yeah so summer of 2003 obviously West Ham just been relegated and it seemed as though you wanted to leave and you wanted to kind of you didn't mind dropping down a level was that the case it was yeah I'd, I'd come to the end of my time there where I thought Glenn Hoddle was manager um brilliant tactician and you know great football mind but I just didn't feel like I was getting a fair crack um, with with Glenn in charge and Christian Zieger was left wing back at the time Glenn was playing wing backs and we started off the season before I left where Christian was injured and I, I started off really well and I think the team were second or third in the league and then Christian Zieger came back from injury and he put him straight back in and I thought I'm not going to get a fair chance mm -hmm. here it, it just hit me straight away so I was looking to to get out as quickly as I could and and the opportunity came here at West Ham. Um, spoke to Glenn Roder and yeah, it just felt right. Yeah. 
you actually you were part of a swap deal with Freddie Canute, and I wondered. Um, do you ever like see each other on the way out? As you like, no, like passing yeah, the corridor. The corridor? No, we didn't. You never met no. him. No, no, never met him. Never <laughs> met him. Obviously, yeah, he went the other way, but um, it worked out well for me in the end, definitely. How? I mean, it just—you felt like such a West Ham player. I don't even know how to describe that sensation. But you just seemed to slot in straight away. I think you were hammer of the year that first, first that first season. season. Yeah. yeah. Um, and a hat trick against Wimbledon. I mean, how, how, did you feel like you just settled in so well? Yeah, it was strange. Yeah, it did. It just felt, it felt right. It felt like this was the club I was meant to be at and and where I was going to get my chance and a chance to prove myself. Because obviously I'd made that jump from League Two to the Premier League and to get back to the Championship. I thought, right, I've I've really, I I had a hunger within me where I got, I thought, right, I've got to prove myself now. And West Ham was a perfect club to do that. It was, um, yeah, that first season, albeit we didn't get promoted, was personally I felt like I played some of my best football it felt like as a fan that first season when I think back like we never quite hit our stride and what did it feel like on the inside and I don't think we did I think you're right I think we had a the basis of a good side but I think there was a little bit of turmoil within the playing squad in terms of players that wanted to move on um probably some extra quality we needed to get in and I think that manufactured itself over time but yeah, that that first season, because of everything that had happened from the, the Premier League season beforehand, I thought was, it was just difficult. The club was in a transition period. But ultimately, we got there in the end and, and got promotion the season after. Yeah. Three managers in that first series, season. Um, Glenn Roder, obviously. Sir Trevor Brooking comes between before Alan Pardew. How did you find working with Sir Trevor? It was brilliant. Was he it? He was brilliant, honestly. Um, obviously, it was unfortunate with Glenn um, and, and what happened. But... When Trevor came in, he just gave a common influence. Obviously, that's his persona. That's his everything that he's about as a as a person. But yeah, he was really good. I, I really like working under him. And um, yeah, and, until Alan Pardew came in, it was it was a really good period. The, the players were happy. Was he was he coaching Trevor? Not really. I no, I, I, just, I, was, yeah. I couldn't just, picture him out on the, kind on of Alex the grass. Ferguson yeah. style yeah. looking yeah. out the window. Yeah, he, did, he just oversaw everything. But he, he did ledge. it in the right he, way. He, and he when says, he spoke, yeah. you listened. You know, he he was he just one of them people that he's got a room you know and and um you know obviously everything he's done in the game and how highly he's thought of at this football club but he, he just um yeah he, he certain persona about him that was really you know you respected it straight away the rumor i heard around the time was that the players wanted sir trevor to stay on was that the case i think it was i think yeah if you had to ask any all of the players that like they would have happily um worked under him definitely because he, he, he although he didn't do much of the coaching he, he had little inputs here and there um the way he dealt with the players just his it, it you know the respectfulness and and the way he dealt with people was was really impressive really impressive i can well imagine that isn't he? he's got yeah. an aura isn't he i don't think i've ever seen him cross no. i couldn't imagine him getting the ump at all no. do you know what i mean as a manager <laughs> yeah he's too he's he's unbelievably nice so that first season, even though it is a bit frustrating, of course, we do get in the playoffs. And I've got to talk about the one night that I'm sure all West Ham fans want to talk to you about, mm-hmm. which is the, the the first time we got to the playoffs in 2004, Ipswich, semi-final, second leg, 1-0 down from the first leg. We need 1-0 to kind of drill the, uh, level the tie, 2-0 to win the thing outright. 
And I think it was nil-nil halftime, quite a frustrating first half. And then, Matty, you come out in the second half in an atmosphere that is just crackling and score one of the greatest goals I've ever seen at Upton Park and create scenes of absolute bedlam. Like, do, what are your memories of that night and what that atmosphere and what it was like? I must have day? watched that goal back about <laughs> 800 yeah, times. Well. <laughs> it's an absolute world. Um, yeah, just... But one annoying thing about it is that there's not enough camera angles of it. There's not enough like... No, no, yeah. Someone it's... needs to like really boost the HD-ness of it. <laughs> yeah. the clips well, on YouTube. Cutting, cutting off the right, yeah. banged it, left foot, top bin, wasn't it? corner with, with Mark Short Carrick corner, and, yeah. And yeah, just hit it. Just, just hit it. it. That wasn't worked on, by the way. No no chance. But yeah, just it, it just happened. And uh, wow, yeah. Even you speaking about it there, just a moment that will live with me forever, weirdly, for whatever reason. Just the feeling in that stadium when I scored that goal, watching it back and the reaction from the supporters under the lights and the bowling, everything. It, it's just perfect. It, it, honestly, just the, the perfect moment, the perfect moment. Yeah. We hadn't had, I'd say as West Ham fan, like we hadn't had a game of that magnitude for a long, long time. that's long what it was, time. wasn't it? It was like the build up to that game as well and everything alongside that. It was, um, yeah, like you said, the, the the moments that West Ham fans had had in recent years up until that game hadn't been great. And I, I think everyone was looking forward to that game. And uh, yeah, to produce that moment was just incredible. Best goal? I think it has to be, yeah. For the importance of it in that as well. I think it I has to be. Quick, can I, a quick word on Pards around that time? Because I, I think he was responsible, I think, for just getting the atmosphere like 10% even louder. I remember he was wearing a T-shirt that said like more than just a club. <laughs> and he, he introduced, like he had someone sing Ness and Dorma before the game and there was like a geezer coming out of a trumpet. and that. He could put on a show yeah, of Pards. Like, I don't know. Like as a fan, you're like, how has he done this? Like, But what was he like in the dressing room? How did he amp you up as players? Or did he have to calm you down, if anything? I remember the first conversation I ever had with him. It was his first game when he took over and I was injured and I was in the change room while the players were out warming up and I just had some treatment and I came in um, and he went, I'm going to build my team around you. And for a player to hear that, albeit it might not be true, mm. he, might be, <laughs> he might be talking nonsense, but to hear that, and I was one of those players that needed to hear that, was it's incredible. And I thought, oh, I want to play under you. know, I, I want to work for you. Man, I want to yeah. do well for you. And, just, he said a lot of things around that as well, but um, yeah, he had me. You know, the day he got sacked, I texted him straight away and I said, "Us as players have got to do better." Um, I don't think we. He was the only reason that he, he lost his job, and um, yeah, I had a really good relationship with him. I love working under him. We had some really successful times, um, and yeah, he was a good manager. We speak about parts quite a lot on here, like because because of the players we get on, but. I loved it. I, I, mm. I think that like you've just said it there. Pards was the first manager. I know I'd been playing lower leagues. He was the first manager that I, that proper coached me. I've said it before, like the sessions he used to put, I remember he used to take us back mm. four and all that. And he had a good dressing room as well, but he also, I think he had the balance perfect, didn't he? Cause yeah. we, we were playing really well. did really well that first year when I came, not, not the first year Matty was here or the second year, but he had let us enjoy ourselves. But we knew as players that we really liked what he was doing and, and the way he was coaching. So we sort of made sure we were, playing well and training hard because we knew that he'd let us have a bit of fun as well. So I think he got the, the balance perfect. And we he spoke was a good to a, coach. He was. Great he coach. was. Yeah, underrated. On the grass, he was Obviously, he's, he's been on and done other things, but he was a good coach as well. Mm. Um, and 
yeah, I've really enjoyed my time. Yeah, really so, enjoyed it. God, everyone says nice things about Pards. Though. Yeah, honestly, yeah. he was brilliant. He really was at that time. Uh, when I first came, it was it was just a, a good place to be, and it all come from sort of the platform that Matty and the boys the previous year had, had sort of laid down. And Pards was Pards was a big big part of that. So you said you watched the playoff semi-final against Ipswich about 100 times. How many no. times have you watched the playoff final against Crystal uh, Palace? No, not, not once. Not at all. <laughs> Genuinely not once. One of the worst games of football I've ever been involved in. Um, yeah, that, that was going from that high to that low was, was tough in a short space of time. Um, we just didn't turn up on the day, unfortunately. And um, I don't think either team deserved to win the game. Was it but, Neil Shipley scored the goal? Yeah, that, Neil that Shipley. Day, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, just a really, really f flat moment from the highs of that game on that night um, and what that entailed to, to then performing like we did in the final was devastating, really. I remember that that, that took a while to get over. Did you have any sense that we weren't going to perform? Like, before the game, did you have a sense that it, something wasn't right or not at all? No, I didn't. I, I think maybe we over-celebrated in terms of Everything that went on after the after the game on the pitch against Ipswich in the playoff semi final, I think we maybe got carried away of ourselves a little mm. bit, which I think you can do because you spoke about it, the build up to the game and everything that Pards did and the t shirts and the stuff beforehand. Maybe we thought we'd done it there and then when we hadn't, but there's no excuse for performing the way we did in that in that playoff final. We we were awful. It's funny because I would have agreed with you until I watched the highlights recently. And I actually thought we were the better team, I thought, and we should have had a penalty. And there's a few things I'd kind of forgotten. I mean, yes, you're right. It's a scrappy game, but we mm. weren't as bad as I remembered us being. We weren't as good as we were against Ipswich. Oh, nowhere near. Yeah, no. yeah, yeah. That, that was the biggest thing for me because I, I genuinely think on all the players that will say the same thing, I'm sure, is that we were that good in that second leg. We thought there's no it's chance easy. we're losing yeah, this final. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's no chance whatsoever and we just didn't perform to those levels and that was the most disappointing thing so maybe yeah maybe we weren't as bad like I said I've not watched it I've done not myself to but, watch um, it save yourself 10 yeah, minutes yeah exactly um, <laughs> but yeah it was just disappointing it, it was gut-wrenching to, to lose that playoff final and so we go into the second season in the championship and I would say this time, because of the parachute payments and everything connected, there is so much more pressure almost on that second season. Did you feel like that going into it, like straight away in the August? We did and probably felt it tenfold in the playoff final, you know, against Preston, getting to that point. So there, there was a build up throughout the season, then getting into the playoffs and then getting to the final. But the 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 pressure that was felt, I think, throughout the whole squad for that playoff final was huge. Was that pressure, was it, was it ever mentioned about, that you talk about clubs coming up, have to come up, West Ham probably did have to come up at the time. Was it ever mentioned about like people losing their jobs and that around the club at the time? Was it that that bad, do you think? I, if you hadn't I, come up? Yeah, I, I don't think it was mentioned, but the players knew it. Knew it, yeah. Yeah, I think everyone knew it around the club that we needed to win this game and, and therefore the, the, the pressure that, us as players felt was, was massive. massive it was it was big it was the second season back at the Millennium Stadium um, and we knew we we couldn't lose that game we knew it and uh, yeah it, it was um, it was some sleepless nights definitely yeah, I I'm getting nervy again just thinking about <laughs> I it I am a little bit as well. <laughs> but the, one thing Pards did that 
I thought was a really smart move looking back is like the experience of Chris Powell, Malky Mackay, but also Teddy Sheringham. Did that did that that experience give you something that maybe you didn't have the year before? I think so. And then took what I spoke about earlier about that transition bit where just there, there was players that wanted to move on and, and stay in the Premier League and then recruiting the right people back in uh, to help the squad. I, I think Pards did that perfectly. I've got to be honest. You know, players like Teddy with his experience and what he's done in the game and he was still a brilliant player at that time um, definitely helped the group because um, we had some young excitable players within the squad excitable <laughs> love it yeah. um, you know I'm talking about yeah. it's been a lot of work <laughs> that uh, word Teddy yeah. just calmed them down at the right time and and the other senior players did as you just mentioned there so yeah that was, that was really important I think and then heading into the playoffs it's funny when when I look back because I, I was way more confident the year before when we got in the playoffs than I were the, the second time around. We kind of just snuck in right at the end. Yeah, like, we, did, yeah. we hadn't played particularly well towards the end of the season. I remember I think it was Brighton away we'd played and the fans were kind of get, going at the players. I think it might have even just been a nil-nil. But heading into that playoffs, we had Ipswich again. And I think we went, was it 2-0 up at Upton Park mm. quite quickly? And they fought back to 2-2. Mm. And you head to Portman Road thinking, well, with, this is going to be a tough one. And it's actually one of the greatest West Ham performances of the modern era. It just all come together that night, I think. We, we were... Mar did Marlon score? Marlon. Bobby. Bobby, Bobby got, scored. Bobby yeah, got, that's it. Yeah. 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 No, it was a brilliant performance. I don't think many people fancied us that night in terms of what happened in the first leg. Whereas the year before, I thought that everyone thought we'd yeah. probably beat Ipswich in the second mm -hmm. leg. The, the, it was roles reverse, really, I think in the second leg at Portman Road and um, yeah, brilliant. You, you're right. It was an unbelievable performance and that gave us the momentum. Albeit, I think we learned a little bit from the, the previous year that we didn't get too carried away. I think if you look at the celebrations in that game after, I don't think it was as vociferous as it was <laughs> previously. So um, yeah, but a brilliant performance, definitely. And then the final, mm. you setting up the winner for Bobby Zamora. Can you give us a sense of what it felt like to... To, to set up the winner, but also the, that, what was that sensation like at full time? To know relief, the job was done? relief, honestly, just pure relief. That's all I felt. I didn't feel elation, didn't feel joy. I just felt relief that, that we got to that, got to that point and got the club back in the Premier League. Um, I, I, there was obviously pride and everything that comes alongside that in terms of setting the goal up for Bobby. Um, seen his movement literally in the last millisecond. I'd have seen him check quickly, so I thought I had to from the cross cut it back slightly and he's put it in the back of the net and um yeah the, the the emotion was relief but an unbelievable feeling at the same time to to be back there at the millennium stadium and and wrong the right right the wrong sorry <laughs> <laughs> um was was brilliant how was pards after the game can you remember I actually don't. He would have been lively in that. Yeah, no, he, he, he probably was. He probably <laughs> was lively. I actually don't remember what he was like. <laughs> Dancing just, somewhere yeah. in the corner. Yeah, he was. Um, I'm sure he was, but yeah, just it was an unbelievable feeling. And then you had uh, an open top bus parade. Of course, we no, wouldn't have one for yeah. a long time after that. But um, how, what was that like? Yeah, that was surreal. I've got to be honest, because there was a lot of players within our squad that felt like they should be playing in the Premier League. So we were like delighted to be there and, and finally back there. The open top bus parade for a playoff final. <laughs> you know, I'm looking at <laughs> what the boys are doing now and winning European trophies. That's granted, definitely. But that, I, I'm, it, I think it was the case that we've not had much success for a number of years and the club just wanted to promote that and, and celebrate it. And yeah, loved it. 
All right, West Ham fans, one way you can support Ironcast and help us rocket up the charts and beat off the competition from other official football clubs' podcasts like Chelsea and like Spurs is to get a five-star rating or review from you. Support me and Ginger on the podcast, chuck us a five-star rating review and help us rocket up the charts where West Ham belong, at the top of the table. Back on with the show. And then we bring in the big guns. The Premier <laughs> League look, money rolls into town. At me. We go to Cardiff. We get the Ginger Pele, Danny Gabadon. And um, yeah, what was, the, what, was the, what was it like, Matty, going into the, the first season of the Premier League? Because it just felt like... I don't know. It had always been like the players had been frustrated in the championship and things weren't clicking. But so I felt like success breeds success. And once we were in the Premier League, these players who've been playing in the championship suddenly like they took on Premier League yeah. personas. And it's almost like that promotion just gave everyone another twenty percent that there wasn't there the year before. Sign-ins make it though. Don't so they? <laughs> the competition. Big sign-ins make it, don't they? You and Gav rocking up, definitely. I think from the playing squad that we had before, um, when we got promoted, like I just alluded to, we had something to prove. I had something to prove. Not worked out for me at Spurs. Um, I knew I was good enough as, as a Premier League player, but I, I wanted to prove that. You have players like Nigel, um, Rokoka, Marlon, Anton. You know they they wanted to prove themselves as well. We we had a young a young squad, but a squad at the right age you know, to, to go and prove themselves. And I think that's what you saw early on in that first season. We back just in used the to go, we, we had no fear either, no did we? Fear we just went everywhere and just thought we're just going to yeah. win. You know, because we were young, teams. just played with no fear. Yeah. It, it was, I remember the first game we played at home was against Aston Villa, wasn't it? Yeah. We won 3-0. Blackburn. Was it Blackburn? Blackburn. Sorry, it was Blackburn. Was it 3-0? Yeah. 3-0. Then, then we had yeah. a Monday night game against Villa as well and we beat them. Yeah, Marlon Hattrick. Yeah. It, we, uh, the steamroll people, just seemed a little bit of one proving people wrong or pe- proving people right in some aspects but secondly you know we're here to stay and we, we know we're good enough it, it, there was definitely that feeling within the dressing room I love that like having something to prove like mm. just, just really mm. I'm still not sure me. Matty liked me though for the or me oh, or yeah? Gabs you always the, I always think to <laughs> go on I don't think right. he spoke to me for the first couple of months me and Gabs I did have a, I you used had a to, silly barnet silly barnet and I was thinking he's, who's this he used to dress a bit here, strangely <laughs> Thought I, I was having myself a little bit as young, oh, yeah. come to London. Yeah, yeah Premier League. Matty didn't speak now. to me for a bit. I was convinced he hated me for a very long time. <laughs> didn't hate you. Who were your big mates in that for around that time? What? Uh, 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 so the squad, the early, really early on, it was Michael Carrick. We roomed together. Um, oh, great lad. Like, obviously, went on and had the career he's had. And I still say to this day, one of the best players I've ever played with. Absolutely outstanding player. Um, but yeah, it, it was more, and then obviously Ginge came in, um, Teddy. I was close, yeah, Teddy, mm. Nobes, I was close with Nobes, went away a couple of times and we had little breaks, I went away with Nobes a couple of times and, um, yeah, th- th- they were the ones really. Yeah. So that 05, 06 is just packed full of memories. We won't talk about the FA Cup yet, but what, what are the big performances maybe in the league that stick out for you? You mentioned some of the ones at the start, but towards the end of the season, you've got like, Beating Arsenal, uh, uh, being it's the last time to beat them at Highbury. That night at Highbury. Yeah. He was on fire that night, wasn't you? Did you right. scored, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, scored. Yeah, yeah deflection. Yeah. But no, it was going in. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no. God, there's so many. Honestly, the, the first few years at, at West Ham for me were probably the best football I've played in my career. So just to pick one out. But that, that night at Highbury was, was special against that team. 
obviously they were coming towards the end a little bit, but it was the Invincibles team mm. more or less. And um, again, we were that young, hungry team that, that wanted to prove people wrong. And we turned up that night and, and played some great stuff again. And I feel and a bit like Arsenal what... that night didn't know what hit them. No. Because we were all young, quite yeah. lively, put it that way. And they just... We just had loads of energy. Yeah. I think that was the biggest thing. And we were the last team to win there, I think. Yeah. yeah. And then the first yeah. to win at the Emirates. Yeah. 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 You played in both. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Let's talk about the FA Cup run that, that, that year that ends in the final in 2006. You played every game. How was, um, I mean, three years in a row going to Cardiff to end the season. What a place to go. <laughs> <laughs> and am I right in saying we had the same dressing room every time or? What a question that is. There was some oh, I think you might be right. I think you're right. And there was some stat knocking about. I don't know if you remember this. I think it was the South dressing room. I'm sure listeners will be able to correct me, but there was something the, the the team in the South dressing room had gone on a run of winning 12 games in a, in a row or something like that. And I think we were in the dressing room that night, right. and I remember that was the first time I thought we might win this. Mm. But actually, this, this I, is the cup final. I, this is the cup final. But uh, we just—I don't think anyone really <laughs> gave us a chance that night or that that afternoon, rather. How confident were you going into that? Me personally, I was just concentrating on getting fit. Because Christian Daly done me in, in oh, 11, yeah. 11 um, about five weeks previous at the bowling. We were doing a, a practice game, 11 v 11, and <laughs> gone down the left wing, got half a yard on him and crossed the ball, and he's come in and snapped my ankle. <sighs> so genuinely, my whole thought process leading up to that final was making the final and getting fit for it. Um, tore ligaments in, in, in my ankle. So, Can you remember when you knew you were fit for it? Was it like literally the week of the game? I, I just remember Pard saying to me, I'm going to give you every single chance to get fit for this because we need you in the final. Because Dino so, tells the same story. Remember Dino mm, done his yeah. hamstring as well, didn't yeah. he, or something? And he was yeah. he had he had a bit of a fight to get fit for it as well. So I was in hyperbaric chambers. I was getting injections left, right, and centre to to make sure that that um, I'm working noon and night to to make sure I was fit for that final. So I, I, that that was my whole thought process leading up to it, and and to actually get out there and and play was an achievement in itself for me because it was it was probably a eight week injury but I got back in five weeks um so I didn't even think about the game I didn't even think about who we were playing didn't think about the occasion I just wanted to play an FA Cup final um and when I was out there then you start to realize the magnitude of everything that's going alongside that um and obviously going 2 new up um I had the first shot, didn't I? Think? Yeah, well, I think yeah, you kind of you kind of set up the first. You take a shot, Rainer parries it, and Dino follows shot it in. in the world. And then he, yeah, he's deflection spilled it, and Dino's tapped it in. Um, but again, we started that half unbelievable. Yeah. That that was who we were as a team at the time. We was so much energy in the team and belief. Um, but ultimately, it panned out the way it did. And and for me, that eclipses the Palace game in terms of the feeling afterwards. It was horrific. Do you remember Brilliant. being sat on that? You came off, didn't you? Late doors, being sat, we were sat next to each other, me and Matty chatting. Like, I think eight minutes I had, to come off. We were freezing. Was it eighty? Come off. I remember looking. I remember looking. It was three two up, by the way. I remember looking at the clock, and it had flicked to ninety minutes. And I turned to Matty, and I think I said, "We've won the FA Cup." I said it. I, said and I remember it. saying to you, "Can you imagine the night we're going to have tonight?" Yeah, I remember saying about being in faces with my it. FA Can Cup final, man, like, and it's like, oh tonight. no. Shouldn't declare that really because oh. I probably jinxed it. But I just... that conversation was had on the bench. Yeah, we'd won the FA Cup. Yeah. Oh Tough. man, I'm surprised you say that losing the FA Cup final was a worse feeling than the Palace game. 
Because I, I, I thought no one had given us a chance in the FA Cup and we gave such a good showing of ourselves. But almost like the Palace game was worse because it meant a season of a, like another season in the Championship. A Liverpool game was worse. Yeah. Really? Yeah, I, I think definitely. I think for players of mine, you might not agree or might agree, players of mine and Matty's age, the FA Cup was everything, wasn't yeah. it? Do you remember when you was a kid, the FA Cup, watching yeah. them all. It's iconic. Yeah, iconic. Like, watching them on the bus before I they found the suits that they were wearing. Yeah. You know, and we were still young, and we were, that that was still that feeling then. The FA Cup was everything back then, even even then, two thousand six. Certainly, as a kid watching it, definitely. So that feeling, you're going to be remembered for winning an FA Cup final, I think. Yeah. Um, obviously, remembered anyway still because it was such, the, such a good the, game. Yeah. The, the Preston playoff win and the playoff wins we've we've had in um, after that as well. But winning an FA Cup for for this football club, I think, is special, and, and that's probably why it hurt me the most. Does it still bother you? Is this yeah, the one big regret? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, definitely. <sighs> it's, it, it's still can't get over it. Like, in terms of it just... Steven Gerrard is an unbelievable footballer and probably one of the best this country's ever seen. And he was the difference between us winning the FA Cup or not. And on, it just wasn't meant to be on that day, but I, I felt like we deserved deserved to win it. And, and the fact that we didn't is hard. I still can't look at Lionel Scaloni. <laughs> can't look at him can't look he's at won him. a World Cup now. he's, he's won, won a World, World, World Cup, Cup. Oh, I, wonder if, I wonder if he Cup. thinks about that yeah, FA Cup final in 2006 know. at least he didn't knock England out though on the way to winning it mm, I think true. that would have been that, that would have been the end for me and Scaloni I think <laughs> um, can we talk about internationals for a second obviously we like mm, uh, I knew this Wales was coming. in uh, 2016 did very well but Matty yeah. how did you feel about um, their celebrations when England were knocked out I wasn't happy he was fuming I wasn't happy I'm going to have to have a chance to defend myself. Do you know as well, what? Right, this, this is the thing that winds me up. So we were watching, we were around yours. What was it? The World Cup semi-final was it recently? Recently, yeah, 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 yeah. And you and Simon Davies are there, like proud Welshmen, obviously. And uh, you know, we really want you to win tonight. Really want you to win tonight. And then teams he, are scoring, he, and I'm looking at them in the background, and they're smirking to each other. Like, <laughs> no, 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 no. We want you to win. We want right, you to win. Let me, I said, no, let you me don't. clear this Stop up. Lying. When you play, when you're Welsh, proud Welsh, and you're uh, Welshman, and you play for Wales. Whenever you're playing against England, whenever you're, we were always sort of like inferior to England when we for a long time. So that one in 2016, That's in your opinion. Well, yeah, but in that that one in 2016, we were in the same group. Nobody was talking about us. Everyone was, it's obviously all England and all that. And, and Iceland knocked them out. So we may or may not have celebrated. <laughs> dancing. <laughs> oh, I definitely wasn't dancing. You were. I, I mean, think you I, were a jumping few, up. A few with the members rest of, of the squad, of our Wales squad, may have been dancing. You were definitely but up there. We, <laughs> we had got further than England in a major, in a major competition. He was furious, though. Absolutely <laughs> fuming. Yeah. Um, there we go. Yeah, Just, not a, not a, Proud moment, but we got further than you. Yeah, God. So, um, <laughs> yeah, Matty, after the high of like 2006, obviously West Ham that following season struggle. We eventually come good with the Great Escape, <clears> but your your appearances in the first team become a little more sporadic. And we know now, all these years later, you've spoken about it publicly that you're in the grip of a pretty serious gambling addiction. Um, and obviously, Ginger has mentioned to me some of the some of the things that you went through, which I find absolutely astonishing. How did it begin for you, this gambling addiction? Because th I think this is something that West Ham fans would have heard, but I don't think they would have heard the detail of it. Um, it, it, it just creeps up on you. Like I can't, I can't say how it definitively happened. It just, I went to the dogs a few nights with boredom, um, staying in hotels, um, 
not having really roots and and people around good people around me probably and it, it just caught up on me and it just got to a point where yeah i was i was in a i was in a really bad place and um it, it ended up affecting my the back end of my time at west ham regrettably for me because i loved every minute of, of playing for this football club but it it got to me and i had to do something about it yeah ginger would like as a teammate and a friend mm. Could, could, were you aware of it? Was it something that was hidden? Uh, yeah, I, I was aware of it. No, I, I, I don't think I probably ever knew how bad or deep it got, I mm. suppose. But I was certainly aware of it. But, you know, I was probably gambling at the time as well, though. You know, this I, no shame in saying it. I, I was. I, I don't think I was probably a good enough friend to Matty at the time to, to maybe ask or help. But, um, yeah, we was aware of it and just sort of it's one of those things that was never really spoke about I suppose was it at, at no. the time it, obviously we have since and, and Matty's done unbelievable where he is now so um, at the time it was just no maybe sort of I blame myself a little bit as well I wasn't I, I, I think when, when, to... you, when you're in the height of that and like from my point of view when you're in the middle of it there's nothing that anyone can say that's going to stop mm. you until you get that and people talk about rock bottom whatever that may look like or different words or whatever but no matter you know, my mum could have said something to me. I wasn't going to stop at that point. It, it, you have to get to a certain point where you have to do it for yourself and 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 the rest of your life, really. Um, and and that, that's that's the point I got to. It wasn't a nice point to get to, but it ultimately it got me to where I am now. So, um, yeah, it, 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 I'm I'm a big, big believer in. Like, I don't like um, pity or, or stuff like that. I, I put myself in that situation. So it's on me, but it is an addiction and it can get you and it can get you really badly. Um, and then it's it's down to hopefully yourself, you know, getting out the other side and, and moving on with your life. It's funny because I was researching what you've talked publicly about your gambling addiction. And the, I mean, the figures involved, we're talking like millions. Yeah. And I th I thought like, you you had three good seasons at West Ham like after that, still appearing in the first team. I don't know how you functioned. Like me either. I, I can't you speak really about that a bit though, didn't you? About yeah, it's, yeah, it's it, probably the only time you yeah, said it's before probably that you were thinking about it. Like, going out and training um, on the grass was the one release that I had, and I've heard this spoken about before, but it's so true that there's the one time where I or going out on a match day was the one point where I could go. I haven't got to think about the debt I'm in, what bet I'm going to have, anything around that. That that was the one release, albeit it, it was affecting my football and my performances towards the end. Um, <clears throat> but that that was, if it wasn't for football, you know, I, I would have been in real, real trouble, I think. Oh, man. And did like, was it affecting your every day? Was it like waking up in the morning and it was the first thing on your yeah. mind? Yeah. <sighs> Everything. First thing on my mind when I woke up. First, last thing on my mind before I went to bed. Um, it was constant 24-7. And like I said, that hour and a half training or hour and a half on a match day was the one saving grace for me. So thankfully for football, for myself, football was the, the thing that saved me, I think, because you become so selfish in terms of you've got so many loved ones around you that want to help you. You don't want to listen to them. Mm -hmm. And and that's that's the thing that probably hurts me the most looking back on it now is that they they were hurting probably more than I was at that time because you'd become numb to any feelings or emotions whatsoever. And what I was doing to to my family and my, my closest loved ones, that was probably the toughest thing. Man. And then the rumour was always that 
you had to leave West Ham. Like you had to get yourself away from London, almost like go to Stoke to almost like start again. Was that the case? Yeah. Yeah, it was. Um, Zola was the manager at the time. Absolutely brilliant man. Can't speak highly enough of him. And he was trying to help me. So I had loads of back issues at that time. And he was big into yoga and, and stuff like that. And he was doing one-to-one sessions with Mr. GM Franco Zola, the, <laughs> you know, Premier League legend. And uh, I wasn't really heeding or taking on any advice that he was giving me. <clears throat> he kind of thought, right, enough's enough and time to move on. I needed to move on as well. Um, and it was the right thing to do. I, I needed to get away and, and just a different different scenery um different way of life and yeah that 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 was ultimately I, I hated leaving this club but i had to do it yeah and do you know what i found as a west ham fan like you could tell that you addressed your issues with stoke and you said your form would just went through the roof and you're getting linked with like an england call up at, at long last but the thing that really sticks in my crawl oh no I know what's coming. FA Cup sixth round, 2011, <laughs> Stoke City versus West Ham. You have the game of your life. There's one question I've got to ask you. All mm. West Ham fans will want to know, was it a dive for the Stoke Oh, Panthers? careful with your answer, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know what you... I don't know how... You... Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it was. There was minimal contact. I don't know if it was Tonks or Scotty Parker. I think it was Scott Parker. Yeah, yeah. but it, yeah, it was poor. <laughs> Um, and I apologise now. I've got so much stick for that. From really? People that I know at West Ham fans, social media. Of, the back of um, the gambling. Please tell what the show yeah, was. So the I, I, I was on penalties at the time and um, I'd previously scored four out of four. And I'd always gone across my... I'm left, obviously left-footed. People hopefully will know. Across myself, keepers left but low and scored four out of four and keepers weren't getting nowhere near it. So obviously I've gone down for this penalty. I'm thinking, oh my God, this is against West Ham quarterfinal the FA Cup I'm going same side definitely Rob Green obviously d- does his homework as all keepers do knew I was going that way but I thought if I put it low he's got absolutely no chance of saving this but I just went a little bit higher much higher than I probably usually would and he saved it so obviously everything else happens after that that happens <laughs> I'm running back to the halfway line about 15 seconds later and I can hear the West Ham thing in West Ham fan singing he's probably bet one all <laughs> <laughs> I, I just chuck, I smirked. I didn't chuckle. I smirked myself and thought, you know what? Unbelievable. Fair play. Fair play. Um, so yeah, that was um, not one of my finest moments. Yeah, but is it? You not agree? Like when you went to Stoke, you're. It just felt like you were playing so good. So like, yeah, you, no, you loved I, your time under TP. Didn't I did. You? Yeah, I loved it. It was the best thing that ever happened to me in terms of that time in my life, that time in my career. Um, as much as I, you know, five and a half, six years at this brilliant football club, but I'd love to have more, but it wasn't meant to be. It was time to move on. And the time I had at Stoke was, was brilliant as well. And, um, yeah, played some of my best football there. It it was like a, the shackles had been released and I was just free to go and be the best version of myself that I could be. And, um, player of the year, my first year again, (laughs) I've got something to prove something, something happens for some reason. And, um, yeah, FA Cup final, Europe again, as I did with with this club, and um, yeah, good times. And then I moved to Villa. We both lived in Birmingham. Exactly. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, Solly old mate, didn't we? Solly old, yeah. Yeah. Wives, yeah. Wives close, and it was it was perfect. 
It's funny, um, we've had a few guests on here from the, the West Ham playoff final team of 2012, like Ricardo Vazte the other week. Mm-hmm. And uh, this always comes up where Ginge watched the playoff final in 2012. Yes. Your stag do. Miami. Yes. In Miami. Yes. So In a cabana, wasn't it? In a cabana. On the <laughs> yeah. side. I was extremely By drunk that day. Yeah. <laughs> Were you cheering on West Ham? I sent him to bed that night, by the way. I didn't make it out in oh, the we evening. Heard that I was celebrating West Ham coming up. I didn't make it out for the evening. So were you supporting West Ham that day? And oh, do you definitely. continue to support Yeah, them? they're uh, 100%. Honestly, I've got so much time for this football club. Even what they've, you know, going back to the gambling stuff, the way they help me, first and foremost. Um, secondly, what they do for former players, ex-players now, the ambassador stuff. I've been lucky enough to do quite a bit of that. Um, over the last year, um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm a West Ham fan through and through, and that's that's speaking genuinely from the heart. And um, yeah, so anytime West Ham are playing, my kids all, all got West Ham shirts. Little Peggy, seven years old, absolutely loves West Ham now. Whenever it's on TV, we'll watch it together. So yeah, definitely, it's amazing oh, the amount of that. players that say that. Though, yeah, I say it to you all it. the time, and we say it mm. when we speak to the old boy. I think when you play for this club, I said it on here before and I'll say it again. When you play for this club, there's something about West Ham Football Club that as a player, you, you become a fan, don't you? It, it's, mm. it, it's, it, it's, it is what it is. You ask all the ex-players, they all still support and follow West Ham. Oh, I love it. <laughs> uh, Matty, since we've got to talk about your coaching and managerial career since, I mean, you've had spells, uh, you, you were assistant at Peterborough for a bit, worked at Crawley Town, most recently manager of Colchester United. So what's next? Where do you want to be? Do you think you'll end up back at the Academy of Football? Oh, I don't know, mate. I'm a big believer in what will be, will be. It, it, I've loved, I love coaching. I've got a pro license. Like obviously done my time and, and got up to that point. Had my time at Peterborough in the 18s, 21s with the first team. A little bit of time at Crawley, 21s at Colchester. Obviously took the first team for a little while as well. And things just pan out the way, the way it pans out. I'm, I'm Obviously, what I've been through with um, in my life and the gambling, etc. I'm not too fussed in terms of um, what happens to me because I've I've been through quite a lot. But I, I believe that the path will, will show its way in the end. That's that's just the way I think. And um, yeah, I, I believe I'm. I love coaching. I believe I'm a really good coach. And what will be in the future will be. And, and whether that's at Colchester, whether that's somewhere else, we'll have to wait and see, mate. But I'd, I'd love to come back here one day and work in the academy and, and see what happens from there. But um, we'll see. Yeah. Got plenty of old ex, uh, ex West Ham alumni working mm. in the academy in a minute. Who knows? Who knows, yeah. Ginge? Fingers crossed. Yeah. Matty, thank you so much for uh, being with us. We've, I've loved this Brilliant. chat so much. And your story is just incredible, really. And how you've got yourself to where you are today. I'm sure wherever you go from here, it's going to be interesting. Thank you, mate. Loved it. Matty Everton, thank you. Cheers, mate. Cheers. Nice one. And thank you for listening. We'll see you again next week. Until then, come on, you eyes. Podcast Network.